Well, welcome to GL Podcast number 36, November 1st already, 2018. It was 10 degrees on this day in 1951 in downtown Garage Logic and 77 degrees in 1933. All of this excitement yeah. is brought to you by Fratelloni's Ace Hardware Stores. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic. With Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the Newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop, here is your Flashlight King, Fireworks Commissioner, and Keeper of Common Sense, your Mayor, Joe Souchere. 16 kids, that's it, 16 kids. No. Isn't that disappointing? You're kidding me. 16 kids. Joe, uh, in the uh, in the heart of South St. Paul, yeah. because I had tiki torches and I had all sorts of... Of course you did. Uh, people were just pulling up with their kids in their vans, getting out. Usually that happens and it didn't happen this year. It was such a nice night. Yeah, it was wonderful. We had a good block, but uh, 16, I'm sorry, because I know how much you do enjoy doing the uh, the hand trick in the mailbox and, and uh, other antics on Halloween. We... Uh... We had the, the boys dressed up, ready to go, about 6 p.m. Sure. We live on a cul-de-sac. Sure. Here you go. We got halfway up the cul-de-sac. We put the tray out. Hey, take one for yourself. Right, kid. right. We got halfway up the cul-de-sac. Little boy had to go to the bathroom, so I walk him back. That didn't take long, did it? Entire bowl was gone. Oh. You live among a den of thieves. <laughs> yeah, right. That is... Uh... Julia, That's always a risk. <laughs> Julia Johnson writes, Last night in our own Gumption County, a few of our children joined cousins for old-fashioned Halloween trick-or-treating. One creative GL neighbor sat patiently on his porch in what I believe was a gorilla suit, ready to pass out candy and stir up excitement. Our girls, dressed as deer in brown footy pajamas, instantly, or I'm sorry, hesitantly snuck up his driveway, boasting big smiles and nervous giggling. Before they could decide to run away or tiptoe to the front door, the neighbor's wife scurried out with another bowl of candy, apologizing for her husband. She prepared to commit the almighty female fun limitation factor. I hollered from the end of her driveway, the girls are fine, let him do his thing. (laughs) <laughs> but her husband kindly removed the gorilla mask and told the girls to have a safe, fun Halloween as they quickly ran up the driveway, smiling at his sweetness. Our young gals would have likely mustered up braveness, and I was disappointed not to witness the good-natured antics of an enthusiastic costume dad who bragged about the kids he used to have. As we arrived home, I heard my daughter's cousin whisper, my favorite houses were the gorilla guy's house and that old man who gave out huge candy bars. we got to hit those ones again next year. Clearly, I am not raising snowflakes, and this year's Halloween was a ray of hope for this GL mom, Julia. Here, here. Yeah. I think I met Julia at the fair. She's a sweetheart. Okay. I told the, uh, the great rookie story of the mother that claimed she had another child in the vehicle. And didn't got get a much, twin in the car. Didn't uh, get much of a laugh. I got, I got that last night. Again, no, again, no, it wasn't the same lady. You got to tell the story. Uh, well, okay, uh, I think it was last year. I was. Uh, we, I, I, I'm glad you're retelling it because I, I have a question that's been bothering me for almost a year about okay. this. All right, okay. We always switch off at my house giving out candy. It was my turn, and there were there's a lot of little kids that come up, and they got the pumpkin in the bag, and we hand out the pixie sticks or candy, whatever it is, and cut to the chase. I hand. I, <laughs> Um, a young man came up with his mom 
And he waited with his bag open, trick or treat. I handed him his candy, and he was all set to go. But the mom stopped him and looked at me opening the bag she was holding and said, he got a twin in the car. (laughs) Okay, I I finally get to ask the question. Yes. Why in the hell didn't the twin come up to the door also? You know what? That's a uh, that's a question I should have asked yeah. or demanded. Bring him up. Uh, we'll, we'll provide hey, him with some bounty. Where here. is here you he? Go. Yeah. And, but this time, uh, tonight, it was a, or last night, it was a mom that had a couple of kids, gave him their candy, and then she presented a bag and said, I've got one at home that is sick. Uh-huh. And what did I do? Reach for the pixie stick or whatever well, of course. and threw it in there. Yeah. Of course you have to. You got a twin in the car. You got a twin in the car. Yeah, and I always, I've always wondered, well, why didn't the twin come up to the door? Now, that is la- that's the epitome of laziness. If you're trick-or-treating, I mean, you don't even it, go up there. It couldn't have been possible uh, that there wasn't a twin in the car. No, I think she was uh, as honest as can be, and that twin God. just refused to come out uh, due to fatigue, maybe. I love fatigue. that line so much. I do, too. Well, I just smiled, and I immediately <laughs> thought of uh, the podcast and couldn't wait in the last oh. year to tell the story oh. because I'm thinking of the show already. Say best wishes <clears throat> continue to go out to the uh, injured Hill Murray football player, Zach Zarambinski. Yeah. They had a mass for him this morning at school. Uh, students and community members were asked to wear green. He's at Regions Hospital. That's about the best uh, place you can be. Uh, according to information provided on Zarembinski's uh, Caring Bridge page, he remains in the ICU in critical condition. However, the pressure in his brain has reportedly remained stable since surgery. He is also continuing to receive support from breathing tubes. Best of luck to that kid. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. He's going to wake up and go, what's going on? A minute. Wow. Did this ever happen to you? Were you ever in a restaurant and a half-naked woman fell through the ceiling? Whoa. Uh, Never happened to me. No, I'm trying to take quick inventory, but no. Well, here's a woman who fell through the ceiling twice while uh, barely clothed uh, in Kingport, Tennessee. What twice? was she drinking? She, uh, 26-year-old Harley C. Morton. Yeah. Her name is Harley. Harley. Was arrested Tuesday on charges including trespassing and disorderly conduct. A Kingsport police report says a cookout employee, that's the name of the restaurant, Called 911 when a half-naked Morton fell halfway through the ceiling, pulled herself back up, and began running around overhead. It says a responding officer searching for Morton found a wallet with her ID and the restaurant's roof. Police say she may have entered the ceiling through an air conditioning unit. It says Morton fell through the ceiling again while the officer was on the roof. It says she landed on the floor and was arrested by other officers. Okay, well, That's wow. the end of the story. Time it's out for New one York question. Post. I understand how headless body found in topless bar. Yeah, I understand how she could fall through, but twice. Why the half naked? Well, you know, if you're climbing through an air duct, maybe it got hot. Did she lose clothing as a result of falling through? Well, Well, she would have been loosely again, uh, again, folks. uh, Reporting is it what it used to be? Because that's what I would want to know. You know, we're fated to not really know ever know much more about that. Mom meets Sarah. Yeah. Right. Hey, how oh, you doing? Meet. Sorry, I'm late for dinner. Through the roof. Hey, can I? I want to offer my. Uh, I want to offer my congratulations and the congratulations of all the GL podcast listeners to Mark Moeller. Uh, he's receiving the 2018 Twin Cities Business Magazine Family Business of the Year Award, and he's uh, well deserving of that. You beat out wax hands, huh? Yeah, he did. <laughs> There's and, a little uh, more history at Moeller, for sure. Yeah. The watch event continues through this weekend uh, at Gavaday. 
Uh, and uh, at Edina uh, today and tomorrow. That would be November 1st and 2nd. That's $250 off any watch priced at $500 or more. $100 off a Rolex overhaul, free watch winder. These are uh, fantastic, fantastic deals at RF Moeller Jeweler Ford in Cleveland in St. Paul. 50th in France in Edina, Gavaday Common in downtown Minneapolis, and now a well-deserved... You know, brick-and-mortar stores are disappearing. Yeah, they are. His, The Moeller jeweler business is growing. Uh, uh, 67 years on that one corner in Ford and Cleveland in St. Paul. And I would invite people to push back when you have your... A phone, so you know what time it is. But now that I'm wearing a watch it, from Moeller again, I don't know how you could not I, wear one. Because I, I was absent for a, a long time. I really, I really enjoy it. Yeah, and you got it for Moeller, a Shinola. Yes, uh, my wife and I got uh, those are put twin. together. Those are assembled in Detroit. You you knew that right away, didn't you? Mm-hmm. That's because I've been eyeing them. I'm I'm finding them very attractive. And these are recently purchased at RF Moeller in the Highland store. So, I hopefully uh, everybody else will go get a watch. The end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Suchere. Three not necessarily unrelated items. Three of them. The search for missing 13-year-old Jamie Kloss is moving into a new phase, which includes scaling back the ground search. Mm. She was last seen more than two weeks ago. Uh, Her parents were found dead at their home in Barron, Wisconsin, and that's when the search for Jamie began. Authorities said starting today, Thursday, November 1st, the ground search will go from 200 to 100 uh, investigators. The decision was made so investigators can focus their efforts on analyzing messaging apps and online communications. Some parents in the area said they were extra cautious when it came to trick-or-treating this year. I can can well imagine. Mm. Uh, the kids still wanted to go out, and I figured if I followed them around and stayed close, then we would let them go, parent Kelly Gronsky said. I know there are a lot of parents out there who were not doing that, and that's okay, too. Meanwhile, residents of Barron said they are continuing to hope for Jamie's safe return. There are a lot of people hurting greatly here, and it would mean so much for Jamie to come home to her family, Pastor Tamara Harder said. According to the sheriff, the leads that remain center, the, the leads that remain center on the two vehicles of interest— the first vehicle is likely a red or orange 2008 to 2014 Dodge Challenger. I, I, I can't believe that someone hasn't. I know. It's a it's it, a mystery. The second vehicle is either a 2006 to 2010 Ford Edge or a 2004 to 2010 Acura MDX, both black. The vehicles were seen by security cameras near the Claus home on the night of the incident. Those with information on the case are encouraged to contact the tip line one 1- Second, not necessarily unrelated. Second, uh, not necessarily unrelated item. Uh, The St. Croix Falls School District canceled classes today because of uh, they uh, were notified of a threat. I'm I'm not. I'm not saying that this is linked to the disappearance of Jamie Claus, but it's more. Uh, mystery in western Wisconsin. Mm. Uh, St. Paul School District, I'm sorry, St. Croix Falls District Super Mark Brandt says that all classes in the district have been canceled. Uh, while he said the threat is believed to be contained, administrators still decided to cancel classes out of an abundance of caution. Uh, 
Don't now, I bad. don't know for a fact, would Barron be in St. Croix? Hmm. Uh, would St. Croix Falls School District be in Barron County I'm is what I'm it. trying to say. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Third, not necessarily unrelated item. I thought the same thing, but then I'll give you the, the answer I came up with myself, and that's why I didn't uh, blurt it out over the uh, airwaves. Uh, Paul said, Joe, the news story about the man who broke into the Barron, Wisconsin murder scene to grab clothes mentioned that he walked in a back door that was unlocked. Does anybody else find this very peculiar, a crime scene with an unlocked door? And uh, the answer, uh, I do find it peculiar, but the answer I came up with for myself was uh, probably family uh, members were there, aunts or somebody, aunts or uncles or something. That's what I came up with and didn't properly lock the door. Okay. You you would think uh, police— Once it was initially cleared that the family members were— would be able to. We had great success reaching the sheriff the first time we talked to him, but we're having trouble uh, reconnecting with him. Uh, they are in Polk County, Wisconsin. Who is? St. Croix Falls. St. Croix Falls ben School is, District. And Barron is in what county? Barron County. Is that a county? Barron County. Barron, Wisconsin is also a. Correct. Barron County? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Actually, St. Croix Falls, it looks as though it's just across the, the river from Taylor's Falls. That's Minnesota. because it is. Yep. Right there. It's right Boom. there. It's, yep. It's right there. So, uh, yeah, uh, another message left for the sheriff. Sir. Well, you know what? He's busy. Uh, well, and there might be a point, too, where he's, you know, uh, unwilling to compromise the integrity of the case, just speaking to the media. This happens a lot. Mm-hmm. So well, may I, he was generous with his time, though, with yeah. us the first time. May I uh, uh, go off track to a sports branding issue? Whoa. Okay. That's uh, right. Let me switch the tracks here. Uh, I guess I'm supposed to be impressed that Derek Rose scored 50 points. Okay. Yes. But the inconsistency of these uh, of these performances <laughs> infuriates me. I know what you're going to say. I, I want him to score. If he's going to do 50, that means he can. So let's see 50 the next time. Well, why well, are you only scoring 25 the next time? Right. It's a it's a, a heck of a comeback story, though, Joe. It is. You know, this is a former league MVP who has had 2011 horrific, MVP horrific knee injuries, mm-hmm. and for him to you know have a game like that, it took a lot of things, notably the three starting players not in the lineup, but. Yeah, it was it was a cool moment last night at no, Target I know, Center. I know, and congratulations to him. The the point I really was going to make is uh, uh, Butler sitting on the bench. I'm I'm racking my brain. I've been covering sports for a long time, uh, no longer, but I mean I did cover sports for a long time. I can I cannot find anything analogous to the petulance that's on display here. I I'm trying to think back. Uh, I cannot come up with with the uh, sophomoric immature petulance that we're seeing from Jimmy Butler. It is embarrassing. They cannot get rid of him fast enough. Mm-hmm. And right. obviously that's what he's attempting to engineer, right? Yes. Oh, yes. That's exactly what he's trying he wants to, to do. to make life miserable for the Wolves. What was last night? Just a minute. Is this more uh, the Wolves and Rose uh, getting hot one night or the Jazz taking the night off because three starters for the Wolves were not playing? Uh, uh, the Timberwolves are now 4-4. Four and four. They played eight games. And Butler has sat out twice for resting purposes. B as in B, S as in S. Panda. What what a poor example he is setting for anybody, whether you're a child or an adult. And, but, and you know what? I'm not defending him in any way because I I am I am completely done with him. But the fact that his coach is allowing this behavior to go on, I, I think, is even more embarrassing. I don't understand that either. I do not understand that either. Think of think of what everybody else in that team is looking around saying. Why is he getting away with this? Mm-hmm. 
Well, I'll continue on sports. You know, put it, uh, bring it to the, the some things podcast. Have caught, some things have caught my attention, yes. Okay, man. but bring this close to the podcast. If I decided to maybe, you know, take a couple plays off and yeah. maybe <laughs> it not do my job to the full capability, right. you'd be on me like, you know, fly on stink. It wouldn't, it wouldn't bring but, about any different result, right. but yes, I'd be right, on but you. You know I'm giving the perf- – <laughs> I'm, I'm 48 minutes. I know you. You know, yeah. I'm in here the whole – 48 minutes. Did play 60? But we're on for two hours. Okay. I'm here for 43. Okay. I'm officially, uh, and I don't want to be because uh, I love the game, but I'm officially worried about Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. The uh, recent World Series was the fourth least watched World Series in history. In fact, on Sunday alone, you had, albeit a really big matchup with the Packers and the Rams, mm-hmm. that outdrew significantly game, what was it, game five? Well, Packers and Rams was an afternoon game. Right, but that You're just night, saying the numbers. But that night, Fox also carried Game Five in addition to carrying that that football game, mm-hmm. and that outdrew a regular season football game. Outdrew a World Series. What's game. your theory? I'll get to it. Oh. Uh, Boston's five game World Series victory over the Dodgers averaged 14 million viewers on Fox, down 25 yeah, percent from last year, and the fourth lowest ever. The series, and, and you got two of the largest market yes. teams in baseball. Yeah, both coasts represented. Uh, the series featuring a pair of large market teams averaged an eight point three rating and seventeen share. Nielsen said Tuesday that was down from a ten point seven rating, twenty share, and eighteen million nine hundred twenty six thousand average viewers for the Houston Astros seven game win over the Dodgers last year, and forty percent from 23,386,000 average viewers for the Cubs' seven-game win over Cleveland two years ago. The only series with fewer average viewers were Philadelphia's five-game win over Tampa Bay in 08, San Francisco's four-game sweep of Detroit in 2012. That was only 12.7 million average viewers. Mm. 12.7. And the Giants' seven-game win over Kansas City in 2014. Wow. Boston's 5-1 win in Game 5 Sunday was the most watched of the series. That did get 17,634,000 viewers. Uh, Ratings represent the percentage of U.S. television households tuned into a program, and shares represent the percentage watching a broadcast among homes with TVs in use at the time. Are, Are we seeing the beginning of the end, I wonder? I'm afraid that we are, because the way that the game has changed these last handful of years... It's making even the most dedicated baseball fan have trouble watching its product, myself included. And I, you're you're talking about the the way the game has expanded in length. There, there's that, and but in addition to the the pace of the game, there's no activity even when there is play. I mean, we're seeing strikeouts at at astronomical levels, and we're it's let's hit a home run or let's strike out, and we don't we don't worry about anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I get that the game is always going to continue to evolve uh, from even from now. It, it will evolve into something a little bit different ten years from now. But right now, the game's unwatchable. It really is. It's hard. It's hard to sit through an entire baseball game. I think I only watched uh, a portion of one game that was prior to the Vikings playing. Oh, Sunday's game. We watched a little bit of the start of Sunday's game. Otherwise, I didn't have an int- a, a rooting interest. I. I- I have a very deep thought about it. Okay. From the Garage Logic Service Road of Life. Oh boy. Which is I think an argument could be constructed that the decline in interest mirrors the fracturing of our culture. That there was a time in this country when 
the World Series was right up there with the Fourth of July, okay, Thanksgiving, uh, yes, Labor Day, Memorial Day. Uh, it was it was it was such Americana that it it brought people together. And then even go back before television, people used to stand on sidewalks and watch ticker tape presentation of the game. If they couldn't get it on radio, yep. you could you could stand in Times Square and a ticker tape would keep flowing to tell you the inning by inning what was going on. It was totally an American sensation, American phenomenon. And it gets back to what we were talking about a couple of shows ago. Uh, oh, we were talking about it, uh, about the uh, decimation of Sears. Yes. And how... Oh, I'm going to confuse myself. Um, I'll stick with baseball. To me, the argument can be made that as fewer and fewer people are interested in baseball, it is symptomatic of, what, fewer and fewer people interested in conventional American phenomenons? I, 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 maybe, I'm way, no, I maybe I'm too far out no, there. No, I get I what you're saying because the World Series for me, uh, uh, growing up and even as a, as a young father, we always watched the World Series. Another way to say it. What is present now in our culture that holds all of us together? Not, I can't come up with anything. Huh. Phones. What, what is present in our culture that unifies us, that, that holds our attention? Granted, you're not going to get 350 million people to ever be interested in the same thing at the same time. Correct. But there was a time, I suspect, when a majority of people in the country would have been tuned in or listening to you know the what? World Series. I think Rook hit on it without really trying to hit on it. Okay. Because I'm going down that path you are, and we all we often lament the attention span mm-hmm. or the lack thereof of the attention span of the of of, of the modern uh, millennial, for mm-hmm. instance. I don't want to pin it all on that age group, but 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 for instance, like with my two young boys, well, they're just young boys, but I, I'm really trying hard for them not to in three seconds be wanting to do something else because I think that that's a loss. That's something that's really lost on the youth right now. No, I understand. And and for baseball, baseball is going to suffer the most because it is a more relaxed sport with less activity. But to me, that was always its charm. Now, would it be? Well, absolutely. So Rook bringing up the phone, everybody's got one. Everybody's fixated on it. Everyone's interested in it. Everyone's almost addicted to it. Now I can hear people screaming into their... As we're doing this on a podcast. Cell phones. As <laughs> right, we, as right. We're doing yeah. podcast. Stay with us, please. But they're, what they're saying is, well, the Super Bowl might still be representative of an event that brings us all together, to which I would reply, okay, that's fine, but it strikes me as somewhat of a shame because that's a game that appeals to your baser instincts. Foot, uh, baseball is gentle. Baseball is kind. Baseball is charitable. Baseball is timeless. Baseball is the only game without a clock. It's pastoral. Uh, it, it speaks volumes of America's role in the world and America's history. And I just see that. I, I'm sorry. I see that disintegrating. I do too. I mean, uh, you get. I mean, I can link combined. it to the failed academy. <laughs> right. I and, and and again, people are screaming into their phones. Okay, moron. But how do you explain the Super Bowl? I guess I explain the Super Bowl. How do I explain it? Well, it's one game only, uh, and it's become a party, mm-hmm. and it 
it does appeal to, uh, I don't know what it appeals to. Because the game, football doesn't appeal to me very much. Some would, some would summarize it like this. It combines class winning and leading, um, <laughs> you know, technology and stuff, stuff with yeah, uh, Wi-Fi powered by OnStar. Something like that. <laughs> That's I mean, where baseball that, started to go right, down. If they keep giving us this guy, yeah. I'm watching every single uh, Super Bowl or World Series. He'll just make a move. Joe Suchere. Ben Sass, the uh, senator from Nebraska, mm-hmm. has written a book called uh, don't me. sass. Right. Don't sass me. Get me a <laughs> get me a beer and don't sass me, like I told Gabe. Uh, <laughs> them. Why we hate each other and how to heal. And I, I believe I've seen excerpts of that uh, printed maybe in a George Will column. Mm-hmm. I, I'll have to read it, and I would love to talk to Ben Sass. He addresses what I'm uh, clumsily uh, trying to address, and that is the uh, disintegration of the country. Th- that gets me back to Sears and Wards. Those two stores brought most Americans together, all right? Uh, uh, and in the 50s, there were, there's an astonishing statistic about when I Love Lucy was on. Yes. Maybe 70 to 80% of American households were watching I Love Lucy. The point being, uh, not that you were getting great content right. from from I Love Lucy. The point being that Americans had these shared, common experiences. Among them, shopping at Sears and Wards, watching I Love Lucy, paying attention to the World Series. And what we're seeing, and maybe this isn't even a bad thing, I, but somebody who's written a book about it like Sass would have to explain that to me. But what, what we're seeing is a... Uh, such a fracturing of our interests that there really are very few examples of anything that hold us together. Is that a fair statement? It is. It's uh, it's not hopeful. And and for the people screaming at me, the Super Bowl, dummy, the Super Bowl. Okay, I accept that as a as an experience that uh, unites Americans. But even but even that um, Super Bowl ratings because it's been dragged out, dragged on, and aren't aren't what they used to be. I suppose that's also because of cable and other things to watch, but the Super Bowl is not as super as it used to be. Another, co- another book that addressed this is a book called Bowling Alone, uh, which addresses Bad. the which addresses the fracturing of of uh, commonality, which is not the same as this false and whimsical belief uh, in the Hillary Clinton sense of the word of community. There's there's a difference in my mind. Between uh, the way the the way certain uh, politicians preach community, I, I really don't think that's what they mean. I'm talking about without guidance, without political guidance, what we are losing or have lost the events that used to attract us that had nothing to do with politics. Nothing. I Love Lucy had nothing to do with politics. Shopping at Wards and Sears had nothing to do with politics. Paying attention to the World Series had nothing to do with politics. Politics is what, something you just thought of two months before the election, not 18 months like it is now? Yeah. I don't know how far back you'd have to go. But the larger point being, I uh, I really have anxiety about the future of baseball. I really fear for it. I always thought baseball was going to be an untouchable. You know why I fear for it, Reeves? Why? Because 
They have people in positions of authority in baseball who, who know exactly what I'm saying. And what I fear is the changes they'll bring to it will make the game unrecognizable. Well, and not they'll to, give in. They'll throw in the towel and try to make it into something that it isn't. Well, and I even think that they know. For instance, you know, couple, last Friday when we we were talking to Patrick, and and Royce was at the, the the press conference for the new Twins manager Rocco Baldelli, and jokingly asked, "Are you in favor of the uh, the the opener concept, which is single handedly ruining baseball as we know it?" He was joking, but he meant it because in his eyes, and I tend Explain to— Explain that to listeners who don't know what you mean by the opener. The opener is when you bring in a relief pitcher knowing that he's maybe going to— start the game. To start the game and knowing that he's maybe going to last an inning. And what is the theory behind that? The theory behind it is let's just have a bunch of guys go after a lineup you know, one time as opposed to trying to rely on one guy— to go through the lineup multiple times. Because that would result in the lineup uh, figuring that starter out eventually. Correct. Okay. Um, and he was joking, but but the, the Twins front office and others around baseball, not only are they embracing that idea, they don't really care if it's ruining baseball as we well, know Well, how it. is it ruining it? Uh, I'll play devil's we're, advocate We're here. talking about now the pace of the game being slowed down significantly. We're now talking about... Uh, you're now, instead of having one guy go six innings, you're talking about maybe using three or four guys where now you got to walk out to the mound. you got to change that pitcher. He's got to warm up. Then you've got to – you're doing that now three or four more times per game than you're, you normally would. That's why the playoff games, in addition to the extended commercial breaks, that's why the playoff games take so much longer than the regular season games because they're changing pitchers with much more frequency. I think what also contributes to the uh, growing length of the game is the slowness by which uh, players are playing the game. Mm-hmm. But I thought the shot, the the, the pitch clock was supposed that has been inefficient, hasn't it? Well, it hasn't been implemented yet. Oh, there. It's in it's in the minor leagues. It's not in the professional game. Oh, yet. I didn't even know that. But okay. to watch a batter, to watch a batter. Have to step out of the box yeah. after every. I know I've had mm-hmm. my fun with this. To step out of the box after every pitch and completely readjust the batting gloves and then provide this deep uh, exhalation of breath. Oh, I got to face another pitch and then get back in. And in the meantime, the pitcher is doing the same thing. This this significant exhalation of breath. And to me, I'm blaming money. I'm going to blame money. There's so much money to be made mm-hmm. that they're worried about every pitch and every every uh, every strike. They're and worried they, about because I got to hit this because if I hit this, I might make sixty uh, million dollars next year. And going back to money, that's the reason why we've been protecting pitching and arms the way that we have the last couple of decades because there's such an investment now into pitching, especially starting pitching, that the last thing the front office or management wants to do is to have that guy not be available. Well, did you see the handsome gray-haired fellow who stood up behind home plate in the stands uh, over the weekend <laughs> watching the Dodgers and the Red Sox? Sandy Koufax. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah, I think he pitched two. Did he pitch two complete games in the 1965 series against the Twins? He did. He really did. And those in. those games were about 212, 215. Now, granted, uh, TV has lengthened the, the time of games, too. Yes. Uh, but, boy, those guys went about their business. And when they won the World Series, they slapped each other on the back, went in the clubhouse, had a beer, drove to the airport, and got the hell out of there. Let's go Big bang boom. I do have a question about this year's World Series. What did um, 
Dennis Eckersley and uh, Eckersley. Kirk, Eckersley and Kirk Gibson. What did did they do something? Well, well they Gibson had, won a dramatic uh, game. No, I mean during on their, one leg. No, I mean during. I remember that from from the eighties. But did they have a, an event during this year's World Series, or were they just sitting with each other? Well, sure Kirk has been diagnosed with. Um, oh, I'll, I'll look it up. Uh, Parkinson's. He, I think it might be Parkinson's. But but they were there watching the game together because, as Joe mentioned, that's the last time the Dodgers won the World Series mm-hmm. was when Gibson hit the home run off Eckersley. Right. And that was, I think, 88. I thought that was pretty cool that they said. Who was actually pitching for it that time? Oakland. Yeah, Oakland. Oakland. Yeah. And then Oakland went on to win next year. Yeah, because Gibson that year had a bum leg. He could damn near not get... He had to hit a home run in order to run around the base. Right. Well, that's what when, make you, when you go back and watch that video, I think it was Vin Scully, who was, well, obviously, who would have been doing the Dodger game, it... Um, it really was. Uh, you get the goosebumps. Oh, it's very. It's dramatic. just like the '87 when Larkin uh, hits Gladden home. In fact, I think Eckersley threw out the first pitch to Gibson. Oh, well, maybe that's oh, what that it was over this past weekend. You yes. Mean? Yeah, probably. if that's what it was, that's because people were saying what a class act, and you know that was really yes. cool. Uh, Gibson has Parkinson's disease. So that's disease. what I missed. Okay. Yep. Oh, that's too bad. He well, he was the manager for the. Uh, uh, Arizona Diamondbacks as recently as was it three years ago, two know. or three years ago, know. he was the manager. All right, that, has everybody got sports out of their system? I, I'm yeah. We're, we're well, gonna... you make a good point that base. Of course, it's I do. never going to be I do. okay. <laughs> Hold on there, cowboy. I uh, it's never going to be the same. They won't be able to get that back. Joe, can I tell you that I not only do I agree with you, it, it actually hurts to talk about it because I I, I it's. It will never be what it once was, baseball, and it it just I can't tell you how much it bothers me. And what me. it once was was representative of the American consciousness, the American spirit, the American. But you're describing love a 49 year old me. Where yes, I knew it was Boston, and but I I didn't have any. You had desire. no investment. You had no right. investment. And it's yep. not that I was trying to avoid it. It just it wasn't. Uh, attractive to me to, as it has been it, in years past. It truly bums me out that my two kids aren't going to get Jack Morris going 10 innings in a game seven. No, they'll get that the just, opener and then the yeah. uh, mid reliever and then the closer. As a long haired college freak rock and roller, I never missed a World Series game. Yeah, not anymore long haired. No, that's the hair is <laughs> long gone, isn't it? But you still like the series. Yeah. All right, that, we that gotta, was an easy shot. I'm we sorry. Get back to, we got to get back to uh, the matters of Gumption County here in just a moment. Flashlight, check. Two belt, check. Attitude, check. He's going in, Joe Suchere. Are you guys coming with your music solicitations? Uh, I was going to, speaking of music, I was going to hit the bumper music a little bit earlier. However, I saw you having a conversation with yourself in there for about <laughs> two minutes straight. I thought somebody was in there, so I'm, uh, I didn't see anybody leave, so I'm not sure. Who's he talking If you thought to? you've been doing five minutes of the show no. without being on no, or, have, or what? No, I have a test for you both. Oh. And I was paraphrasing the test. In my, oh. oh. Maybe I was talking out loud. Yeah. 
Uh, the other day, I'm going to paraphrase, there was a great and concise letter to the editor in the Pioneer Press, I believe from a woman, who essentially said, I was stopped at a red light and a bicyclist uh, blew by me and went right through the intersection on a red light. And her point was, and again, I'm paraphrasing, uh, bicyclists, are you or are you not going to be uh, part of the driving process? In other words, are you going to follow the rules or aren't you? Okay. Right. And that was it. And that was a great letter. Yeah. Because I have personally witnessed that. I have as Same. well. Just, yeah. uh, at the intersection of Marshall and Otis, mm -hmm. I was uh, waiting for a light to go southbound on Otis to, mm -hmm. to go through Marshall and continue up into that lovely neighborhood there. Past East Cliff. Southbound uh, on Otis. And I saw a bicyclist come through and not get killed as the light turned. It's not worth it. So so here in today's Pioneer Press, yeah. a letter writer has written in response to that woman who wrote the other okay. day. Okay. All right. Your test will follow my reading of this letter. Oh, a test? Uh, regarding the recent letter about the stupid behavior of a bicyclist. First, I am a bicyclist and admittedly have done a few foolish things. However, every day I see car drivers doing worse but I never see articles about their behavior. Well, let me stop right there. Of course you have, pal, uh, because there's right. been dozens of articles written about uh, distracted driving. Uh, a cyclist is moving in slow motion at 10 or 15 miles per hour, easily observed by car drivers. In driving on I-694 at the posted speed of 60 miles an hour, I observe several drivers weaving through traffic at at least 70 or even 80 just to get a few car lengths ahead, maybe foolishly thinking they can make up for oversleeping. The main difference of the stupid cyclist and the ignorant driver is one of moving in slow motion and the other is moving at killing speed. Let's be realistic and be uh, observant of the real killers of the road and not just the slow motion stupid cyclist. James M. Mulner. White Bear Lake. What's the fatal flaw in his argument? Oh, oh, oh. Yes, ooh, you in the corner. Ooh, yes, ooh, Bueller, Bueller. What in the hell is a bicyclist going to be doing on 169? Get the coins for the uh, yes. brain scan for him, please. First of all, 169 never came up in this piece. Didn't it? No. You said 169. I-694. Oh, that's what I meant. Sorry. A bicyclist ain't going to be on uh, I-694. He ain't. That, okay. That's not the fatal flaw. I was that, only off like one That's, that's not the fatal flaw this letter I, writer has, has authored here. He, he has authored a fatal flaw here. Okay, we're talking about he is he is comparing drivers to bicyclists, and drivers 95% uh, of the time obey all of the traffic laws and signs. Okay, I'll just tell you what his flaw Damn it, I failed. <laughs> I'll, I'll just tell you. I'll just tell you what I think it is. Is you couldn't be further from the truth, rookie. No, what he what he is writing is tantamount to saying it's okay if I, as a cyclist, break the law, okay. because I'm not going very fast. That's what he's saying. He's saying I get to break the law because I'm only going ten miles an hour. So therefore, I should be excused. 
And that was the point of the original letter that he's responding to. The point of the original letter is, are you playing the game along with the rest of us, or aren't you? Are you in, or are you out? And this guy comes along with this fatally, fatally flawed argument that you're in a car, you you have the capacity to go much faster than I am, and therefore uh, you're the really you're the you're the problem, not me. I get to break the law because I'm only going ten miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Now well, I'm putting words in his mouth, and, and no, but that sounds like that's fairly accurate. What what what? what we're a big bike area. We got bike lanes. Really? We got bikers. What is it like? And I've been there so many times. I've never paid attention. New York. Boston, L.A. What is the bike situation I, there? I don't know, but let's let's not let's not oh, okay. let's let's remain focused. Uh, if if this is the mindset of a bicyclist, the the onus does remain on automobile drivers to be doubly careful. the 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 cyclist that died last year, well, help me when was on, it? Uh, on Snell, than, Snelling and ago. Summit. Yes. Was that just as recently as last spring? I'm going to double check. Yes, because didn't we have the didn't we have a protest? But the fellow, uh, God bless him, he clearly ran a red light and killed himself. Ran into the side ran of a school into the bus. Side of a school bus. I think that was as recently as just this last May or April. Uh, we're going to find out. I'm going to I'm going to check it out. Uh, that was May 9th. Wow, May 9th, 2018. Yeah, it was it recently as last May? Yes. Yeah. My, my point being that the letter writer today clearly is signaling moronic intentions. If that's his attitude, I get to break the law because I'm really not much of a threat. Well, you're a threat to yourself is what you are. If you continue to break the law, it was only through expert vigilance that the time I witnessed this at, at Otis and Marshall that the bicyclist didn't die. It's, that's the only reason he didn't die because every every motorist at that intersection was aware of of the fool breaking yeah. the law. And it would have taken one not to, right? And he'd be a goner like right. the guy in St. Paul. And this guy said, "But I'm going slow, so am I really the problem?" Yeah, that that has nothing to do with it. His argument specious. It, it's meaningless. It's stupid. And and uh, right. Because regardless, you don't know when the accident's going to happen. You're going to get hit whether you're driving twenty mile, riding twenty miles an hour, or ten miles an hour. And if you're breaking the law, you're going to have an unattended driver possibly hit you. It's an unnecessary risk. But but again, this is a cyclist saying in in a, in in effect, I get to break the law. Because I'm not going very fast. Well, no, you don't get to break the law. By breaking the law is how you're going to die. And that's not going to be because of an ignorant driver. It's going to be because you didn't follow the rules. Taking us back to the first letter that inspired this fellow to write. Are you going to play the game or aren't you? It's not a game. Are you going to follow the rules or aren't you? That's a clever letter. Yeah, it was and and, and brevity. It was brevity. It was it was short. That's why it was so good. It was just right to the point. So I think I should get partial credit for bikes not being on the freeway. I kind of thought my well, I was kind of saying yeah. what you were saying. Maybe a C. I Even though I got the freeway enough. wrong. I hope I've I hope I've straightened that out. Yeah, I hope I've made that clear. Why? Um, we can. I mean, <laughs> you're making all sorts of hand gestures. Well, I'm just saying if we can we one? can take our break and come back for the next. Unless you want to continue, go right ahead. No, you go ahead. I've got a lot of stuff. Oh, uh, a lot of let me, I got a lot on my mind. Let me look at something here. 
I mean, look. It's just because I like to hear Johnny Height and Dylan Height play guitar to close it out. Mm-hmm. The the uh, the segment. Here. We got another hour though, bro. Ain't going. <laughs> ain't going nowhere. We got a twin in the car. I got something we can worry about that we can't do anything about. Okay. And, and much it, more than that. And it involves nature. And it's November, so if you're a 21st-er, describe where you are in your head. Oh, man, I'm only... I'm less than two months away from spring. Whatever gets you through, 21st-er. Royal Order of the 21sters. GarageLogic.com. Don't forget to rate us on Apple iTunes. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Tell your friends and family. You can listen on demand at your own pace. You don't have to wait while you run into the store. You can catch it all. GarageLogic.com. We'll be back.